Hey, Bubs. This is Cal Dodd. You're now listening to Geek Vibes Live. Well, thanks, Cal Dodd. That drop came in five seconds too late, but that's okay. Wasn't really sequenced, but how's everyone doing tonight? It's uh, Dane, your buddy. We're going to talk about some wrestling on Wrestling Geeks Alliance. I'm going to look up the uh, number edition for how many shows me and you have had, Chris, uh, because I have no idea, and I should be probably saying how many episodes we're at right now. But uh, I'm also here, of course, like I just said, with my good friend Christopher. How are you doing, Chris? I was doing great, man, until you cut off Wolverine. God. I know. How I'm are sick. you doing, Dan? I'm, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm the usual, uh, just having a, having fun. It's been a uh, work week, but I can't complain, you know, normal stuff. But I've watched a lot of what we call professional wrestling. You know, the great art of mixing acting with superhero characteristics and athleticism. And I want to discuss it with you, Chris, like we usually do. So uh, why don't we go on to some topics? Does that sound good? Sounds awesome, man. All right. Let's get to the start of this. All right, our first discussion tonight, uh, unfortunately, and uh, me and Chris were actually just talking about this before we went on air, literally. Um, Austin Aries has been released from the WWE. Uh, Apparently, he wasn't happy his... uh, you know, where he was at the company or where he was going with the company. So they decided to release him. And unfortunately for Austin, uh, his kind of – it's it's understandable. You know, Chris definitely pointed this out with when me and him were talking about it. It's understandable to the fact how Austin is a great in-ring worker. He's an amazing heel. He showed great potential for just even commentary when he was hurt. Um, and he's a good baby face. So it's, he's a great hand. It just sucks that apparently he's hard to deal with. Um, uh, obviously, we, I haven't heard that word from TNA. So I'm assuming that maybe he'll go to TNA. I think he burned a lot of bridges with Ring of Honor. Don't think he's going back to WWE, honestly. So maybe New Japan or TNA. Uh, how do you feel about this loss for the WWE? And where do you think Austin is going to be going, Chris, in the future? Honestly, um Austin Aries, like you said, uh, is a great worker. I really enjoyed everything he did in TNA. I enjoyed him going back to Ring of Honor uh, back when Jim Cornette was there, and uh, I believe he had a title, a couple title runs. Um, overall, I think it's a loss for WWE. They're losing some talent on their Cruiserweight show that's already kind of skin and bones as it is. But he hadn't been on TV in a few weeks, and I'd, I'd kind of worried about that, uh, wondered about that, and it seems like. The reasons that he's upset is that he really didn't want to be in the cruiserweight division. He was also upset about the fact that because he was on the pre-show for WrestleMania, he's not going to be getting any royalties for WrestleMania on any DVD sales or uh, however they handle their streaming royalties. I don't know if they are, they're doing anything with that yet. So he had some legitimate reasons to be upset. I think he, he thinks that, you know, it, as many times as he's held the world title in other places, that he could have been someone that could surpass the cruiserweight division. Also probably losing to uh, to Neville so many, so many times for the title didn't help things. But as far as places he could go, um, depending on his relationship with the new management in TNA, I think he would be a good fit there as a very notable name in the industry that they, they, they can get pretty easy access to. I don't know how much it would cost them if it makes sense for them contract-wise or if they're willing to take a gamble with the whole Del Rio scandal that's going on or Alberto Patron, I should say. Um, 
but that's like the most the, the the closest fit I could see with him. I know that he's had a lot of heat with people in Ring of Honor. Um, some of that management still exists in Ring of Honor. I know I'm not I'm not 100 sure, but I think Delirious is still a Booker there. So there's some things there that for me he doesn't fit there. And then being 39, it would be probably be a long shot for him to go to New Japan. So I mean, it could be something as simple as him just working indies similar to um, Cody Rhodes in uh, what El Patron was doing before he signed his impact contract or his uh, GFW contract. So I could see him doing something like that. It's, it is unfortunate because I think WWE lost someone that they could have built the cruiserweight division around. I think if he had the title and maybe didn't show up on so many pre-shows, this might've went a little different, but he, he has been known to have a little bit of a hot temper, um, so it's not surprising, and WWE doesn't deal with – they won't deal with, you know, drama like that from um, who they would consider a low card or a mid card. So it it makes sense on both ends. If you're not happy, you don't want to do the travel dates for WWE and cut your ties and, and make it on the indies. It's not like he can't do it. He has a name value, and I'm sure he'll have great matches with some people out there. Um, it, it's a little unfortunate. I'm a little sad about it because I, I really – have always liked Austin Aries. So. Yeah, and you know, I mean, who, who does who does Austin think he is? He can stick up for himself, like, you know, he's not he's not Shawn Michaels, <laughs> he's not he's not CM Punk, uh, Bret Hart. He can spit in his fucking face, you know. But no, actually, in all seriousness, it, it just it, it does suck because you you see a, a ton mm-hmm. of potential, and we were even talking about you know his ceiling. Uh, past if you were were to have gotten the cruiserweight title, and not only that, but like this goes back into what we're talking about all the time, Chris, is that with the fact that they have 205, which is kind of a self-contained show, and then they have SmackDown and Raw with completely different roster for both of them, um, not not including NXT, that's that's fine, they're their own thing, but you have less options for matches, basically. You you literally tighten it so that you have to use similar people within the same exact views like we're seeing. And it limits being able to have awesome matches. Like, Austin can go for the cruiserweight, and just like back in WCW or early, you know, WWF and during the, uh, whatchamacallit, Attitude Era, just in general, you could go for one title. If you didn't get it, go for another title. I mean, that didn't really stop them, but the fact they're limiting, like, this is the Cruiserweight show, and this is, this is Raw, this is SmackDown, it just completely limits stuff, and I am worried from this. I, I really like Austin Aries. I, 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 I agree with you. He doesn't have, uh, I'm going to say he's probably got about, like, maybe six or seven good years left. Uh, you know, he's in great shape. Uh, he can still move his ass off, so, but after that, you know, it's, it's he's got to find somewhere to station to, like, you know, get a part of his career done. So it just, it's, it's very unfortunate uh, from the situation, but do you agree that part of this problem, and this could be a potential problem for Neville once they take off the Cruiserweight title is the fact that they have these separate formats of these three shows that don't interact with their competitors. Uh, Yeah. I mean, we've talked about this on the past two or three shows in which, you know, the way that they have the brand split and the way that they handle their mid-card titles, it, it it shoehorns them into a certain position in which they can only use these kind of guys for very specific things. I worry for people like, you know, Noam Dar and Cedric Alexander and uh, even Neville, to some standpoint, I think he's a little safer than some of the rest of them. But 
when this cruiserweight thing falls through and WWE's tired of throwing money at it, what do you do with those guys? Is it just a mass release like WWE does when they need to cut budget? Because, I mean, for years now, WWE kind of comes through like the Grim Reaper and eliminates, you know, five to ten superstars. And are those some of the guys that they're going to put on on the list? Or do they do something where they move them to NXT um, on a lower contract? It, it's just all kind of up in the air for that entire thing. Uh, losing someone like Austin Aries, even with the political – some of the political things that are probably going on in the back, I think it doesn't look great for the cruiserweights because I think he was definitely the second biggest star they had. I would put Neville slightly above him with Neville's recent heel run. Um, as far as being able to get crowd reactions and, and put on those kind of matches uh, consistently at the top of that division. But I, I have no clue what they do with them. And in theory, you would have, you know, you would always have someone like Rey Mysterio Jr. or some of the smaller guys, even going back to WCW, going for the U.S. title because it's not weight class necessarily. It is just your second title. The Intercontinental yeah. title is. If it's the Intercontinental Heavyweight title, then it makes sense that you would have a weight class or however you handle it. And that's kind of why I hate the way the mid-card titles versus the heavyweight titles shake out in WWE. It's not really weight classed. So you don't have like a prestigious light heavyweight title. And the cruiserweight title is not really treated like a mid-card title or a top-tier title because they're the the most footage it gets is, you know, two minutes on raw or on a pay-per-view pre-show. So it, it's, they're, they're in a weird spot with the entire thing. Um, but yeah, I, I don't have a lot of hope for people like Cedric Alexander and Noam Dar and uh, Tony Neese once, once the cruiserweights eventually fold, which if you look at their view percentage and the, the cost, the amount it costs to actually produce that show, even with it being on the network and being after SmackDown and the way the fans have reacted to it, I, I don't think that that experiment's going to last all that long. Maybe unless they get something that really, really strikes fire under the fans' ass, that thing might be gone by the end of the year, which means a lot of these guys probably, unfortunately, will be back out to the indies and ring on or scene or in the UK doing their thing. Well, what sucks is, like, you know, you think about the roster and you're naming some people, and I think a lot of them could be successful in something. I, I wish that they would embrace NXT as, as this could be – this show is so good because sometimes they have some of the best thing going on that people can hang around here. It's not about getting the fuck out of this to get there. You know, if, if, if you're obviously pursuing wrestling for the first time or, or you're literally trying to break it uh, through WWE, that's a good place to try to go through, but – you know, a lot of guys, they could have great success on NXT if they kind of, like, just took it seriously as not just a stepping point, but an actual program by itself, because it's more successful than your 205, and, and you know, I, I feel like you can still have the title around, uh, obviously, you can, you can present it still on, on, the, on the show if you're not, if you're going to completely wipe out the division, which just shows a lot of incompetence, honestly. Uh, it just, it sucks. But some of the guys, you know, Austin Aries and Neville included, and even I'll even say Cedric Alexander, I think had potential to be a part of the main card. And if anything, the cruiserweight division was kind of, I hate to say it, but holding them back. And a lot of those other guys, like Mustafa Ali, he'd be great if they, if they try to embrace that NXT is their ring of honor, their ECW, you know, their own independent wrestling source. 
and like I said, not just a school to go through to be able to get to the next point, I think that would be a hell of a lot better for them. And they're, you know, uh, even, Drew Gallick, I, I really like him. I, I like how he's got like a Steve Carino type gimmick where he doesn't like high flyers, you know. Why can't you guys wrestle like a real person? It's like, I, I like these guys, and a lot of them have good mic skills, amazing athletes. So you would think that they would be work out great within the ranks of WWE, but obviously, like I keep on saying, and like you said, they don't have a lot of places to put anyone because they have literally three separate things. And like you said, this experiment will be over. And what does that say for the UK show? You know, what does that say for potential, like they've been rumors about them looking in Japan and India for, for potential things marketing over there. So I, I don't know. I, I feel like sometimes, well, a lot of times Vince puts all of his eggs in one basket. And then like you say, if he's like, Oh, never mind. It's gone. It's it's done. So, any last words before we can move on to the next uh, topic, Chris? No, I mean I don't want to be a grim reaper for the cruiserweights. I like cruiserweights. I don't want anyone to think that I dislike 205 Live or any of the people that work in 205 Live. It's just they've. This isn't the first time they've tried to revitalize that division, be it through a cruiserweight title or a U.S. title, or not a U.S. title, but a light heavyweight title. And this is always the end result because it's always the fifth or sixth thing on Vince McMahon's list of things to do. So I wouldn't be surprised if you see it go away. That doesn't mean that I want it to go away. I would, I want it to be awesome, like the Cruiserweight uh, tournament was. But I don't think it will ever be Absolutely. at that level. What about what I was saying about do you feel like WWE, especially for Hunter's sake, so that, you know, you can – really embrace his NXT brand, they should start treating that more so that it's its own show and it's not just a stepping stone, or at least for the fans, see it as that. Do you, do you agree with me to that extent? Yes. I'm, the main difference is going to be your pay on NXT um, versus yeah, your live absolutely. show. Pay. So that's the big deal there. Like, will, will a Cedric Alexander, who could probably go make more money in New Japan or Lucha Underground or Ring of Honor because he has that type of ability, would he prefer to go work the indies over, you know, an NXT startup contract, which is essentially what that would be. If they could start doing TV in a different way for NXT where it doesn't come off like Raw or SmackDown and it's more than an hour a week so you can get the meaningful matches that you have on NXT out and these guys can make a little bit more money down there than uh, – um, I'm sure more people would be way into that idea. But I think from, like, a worker standpoint, like if you're, say, in Austin Aries, that starting NXT contract, I'm sure it's higher for certain guys. But a while back, it was, like, $50,000 a year and then up if you were a veteran. And I'm sure they're making more, probably not a ton more than that, but they're definitely making more doing 205 Live and being at live shows and part of the, you know, pay-per-view events. That's a very, very good point. Well, let's move on to the next topic. Um, I think that me and you actually are split on this. Um, but uh, AJ Styles won the U.S. title at Madison Square Garden at a house show uh, against Kevin Owens. Um, this is the first time AJ, he, he talked about this in an interview with um, Simon Garfunkel. I forgot what the guy's name is. Looks just like him. Big old red afro thingy. Um, Sam and, uh, Roberts. He was just, yeah, yeah, Simon Garfunkel. That's right. Um, <laughs> but uh, AJ was just talking about you know with, the thing with WWE. He's always wanted to 
uh, be able to uh, wrestle at Madison Square Garden, but WWE kind of, they don't allow any other wrestling place in there, you know, obviously, because of their history with the, the Garden. So this, this is his first time in the Garden. They won the U.S. title. Um, let me, before I go on the my, uh, you know, side of it, uh, how did you feel about it? I don't have a problem with them putting AJ Styles, putting the title around AJ Styles. I think it's bad from a pay-per-view standpoint um, because Kevin Owens had only had one title defense against AJ, and AJ kind of away. So for him to lose it on a non-televised event where you're not going to get a rating, you're not getting a rating for the match, you're not getting you know an additional subscription to, to the network for a match, um, it seemed like it was a little bit forced. I, I've heard rumors that it's for the AJ Styles DVD that they're, they're going to release um, to build that story that of Madison of. Square Garden. Um, but as far as, you know, AJ Styles being a champion, I don't have a problem with it. It's more of the things surrounding it. I hate the title changing hands so much in general, but at some point yeah. that's me beating a dead horse. So, you know, it's I, I would have preferred him to drop it at the pay-per-view. Uh, for Kevin Owens to drop it at the pay-per-view, um, especially if they don't plan on AJ holding this thing for a while. Now, if he's going to hold it for a while and then maybe do the U.S. Open title like he kind of teased at, then I'm okay with that. But the difference is when John Cena was doing that, it wasn't a split brand. So you had way more competition. Um, when you look at that SmackDown roster, it's kind of thin. So I don't know who you're going to get AJ Styles to wrestle each week. Uh, for the title, yeah, but it's um, I have no problem with AJ Styles being the champ. I just thought if he was going to win it, I actually thought they were going to try to squeeze three matches out of Kevin Owens and AJ Styles before they went on to do their next thing. Um, this kind of hot shots that because I don't see Kevin winning the title back at the pay per view, so it's kind of you know once AJ once AJ you know, beat him for the title, it's the heat off Kevin. So now Kevin's, you know, he's just going back for the title, but that's usually your baby face move. And now it's like the heels trying to win the title back. And if he gets beat again, then, you know, he's got to, he's got to change direction and go do something else. Otherwise you're going to have this feud like the Miz versus, uh, the Miz versus Dean Ambrose, which kind of just drags on and the storyline's not really relevant. And the other thing is, you know, it's they switched Kevin Owens' gimmick to be the face of America, which kind of led me to believe he was going to be holding that title for, you know, a little bit longer. Um, and with the heavyweight title picture being up in the air, that belt is the most important belt on their show. So for it to change hands off TV, it, it did bug me a little bit. It's not the biggest thing in the world. It's not the first time they've done it, but you know, it, it is what it is. I, I wasn't a huge fan of it, but at the same time, I'm not going to bury it or anything. Well, before I go into my thing, I just want to let you guys know that if you want to call in and ask a question, uh, it's 929-477-3781. You'll be on hold. Press 1 to join us. Hey, I saw someone was on hold, and I apologize for not getting to you. Uh, normally, I'm looking at the screen. My uh, attention was elsewhere. I looked back, saw someone was on hold for two minutes. If you guys just hold on a little while longer, if yeah, I will notice you. And once, you know, if, if Chris is in the middle of talking or I'm in the middle of talking, I'm going to wait until we're done to then take the phone call. So just call back. I'll get you on here, and hopefully you're not some dickhead that's going to try to do some type of trollish uh, attitude or uh, concept. Um, but uh, anyways, I actually I thought this was um, a pretty good idea. Uh, I, I think that 
if they were trying to generate more sales for live shows, uh, for the potential, I think that kind of uh, brings a little bit of that. Obviously, you know, for the smart marks like me and you, we're not going to think too much into it because it was at Madison Square Garden. So I'm not going to really think that's going to happen all the time. But, you know, it, it just makes it look like it's unpredictable. You know, any anything can happen um, on any given night. And it extends their feud. Apparently they had a great match. I really hope that they – I mean, I don't think we're going to get this, but I would love to see the footage of the whole thing. Um, but, you know, they did this. This is their second match, I guess, together. Uh, now, AJ won it, and then they'll have their third one at uh, whatever the fuck the pay-per-view is before. Or would that be SummerSlam? It's probably ba- It's going to be a battleground, as far as I know, which will be pay-per-view, not just so Sunday, but follow. It's so hard to keep up with this shit. It's so hard to keep up with to, SmackDown to and their thing and... And then they're having the joint one for SummerSlam. It's 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 it's, it's a lot to to keep up with, but I thought I, I thought it was a pretty intriguing concept, especially who it was all about. Uh, AJ and, and uh, Kevin have great chemistry together, so I'm sure their match was great. Um, and I, I think that, and I don't know this, but I feel that maybe Kevin's going in a different direction, uh, other than just you know the U.S. title. Uh, maybe we can get him to get in something with Randy Orton. Because I feel, I don't I don't know this, but I have a feeling that Randy Orton's going to beat Jinder Mahal. I don't really care one way or the other. They could do a thing where, where Randy beats him and then Baron Corbin comes out and then takes it out. So who knows, but I would like to see uh, Kevin eventually, you know, I like, I like AJ with the U.S. title. I think that he's like Cena where he brings so much that title you know, that it's, it, I mean, the fact that they kind of started off with a conversation about the U.S. title on SmackDown, we'll go into it later if we have enough time, but they go into that, and then their their first match of the night was their champion, uh, basically beating the crap out of Ty Dillinger, the 10 guy, or whatever the hell his name is. Um, like, that says a lot. Uh, you know, I, I feel like one is the universal title and power rankings. I would say the U.S. title is probably two above the, uh, the uh, what you call it, world heavyweight title. Honestly, um, at this point, of, of of how they're treating it, so they need to get it on someone with a little bit more oomph, you know, a little bit, little bit different. So who knows? But let's uh, let's go on to our next topic, if you will. All right, uh, this is my note, Chris Alberto L P O S uh, being on uh, investigation for spousal abuse from G W or G F W Global Forced Wrestling. Um, all I know, and I'll kind of sum it up and I'm going to send it to Chris because I know that you were kind of reading some of the details. Um, they were caught from multiple witnesses at a airport. Uh, she was screaming at him like, why are you so abusive to me? They're probably both apparently trashed. Um, and I don't know if he got arrested or not, or, but, or if there was just like, they kicked them out of the airport or something like that to that extent. And now... Um, Global Force, which is very smart of them, is investigating the whole entire thing. And we could see Alberto Del Rio, El Patron, El Piece of Shit, uh, without the title, and probably go in and beg in AAA and CMLL to fucking take his ass uh, after all this. Um, and it got to the point where even Paige's uh, siblings are, are on Twitter, well, at least one of her brothers, uh, just talking about the whole situation. It's like, you know, people need to get over here and, and, and help this girl out because, you know, I went back and I've seen some page matches. She had a lot of fucking potential, and her 
fucking crazy situation, husband, you know, just horrible toxic relationship is going to fuck up her career going forward. Um, what do you what, what do you want to happen to Alberto El Piso Shito, Chris? Alberto Alberto Patron is a great in-ring worker. So I'm going to start out by saying that. I have nothing against Alberto El Patron as a person or as a wrestler. I've, not, I've never met him. Um, that being said, this incident happened in Orlando. According to a rep for the Orlando PD, he is the primary suspect and the only suspect listed. Paige came out on Twitter and said that she was the one withheld um, for – I guess a domestic violence charge in which he threw a drink in his face, which the audio that's out there on TMZ for anyone that wants to get up in this business, I guess, and want to know what's going on with the situation. You can Did listen you to that. that. Your life. Um, but the, the thing about Florida in general and the reason that global force as a company has suspended Del Rio is that with domestic disputes, it's not charged by whoever was assaulted the police make the determination on who to charge and someone always gets charged. So someone is going to be charged in this situation. It's probably not going to be that big of a deal because they're both superstars as opposed to if me and Dane did some shit like this, we would be in the clink for sure. Um, But Paige did come out and she put, if you want to, you can read it. It's a full thing on uh, Twitter talking about she was upset um, they got into an argument over something very small because she was upset about a situation with her uh, uncle, I believe it was, who is having a lot of health problems, and that was out on Twitter earlier this week as well. The problem is, is that uh, it, even in the conversation she's having, she's saying, it, it, at least if I get arrested, I'll be away from you. And then her brother came out and claims that Alberto, one of her siblings, I think, I believe it was her brother on Twitter, claimed that he was abusive towards her. So from a global force standpoint, it's good for them to take a step back and assess the situation and put the suspended. Unfortunately, Jeff Jarrett today on the phone conference for global force and impact wrestling came out and actually said that it would hurt their company not to show the footage that they have already recorded. So I believe that if you're watching Impact, you will get the full Alberto Del Rio LAX storyline, which um, I was hoping they were going to edit out or find some way to resolve that and get the title off Alberto um, before going forward with this. I think it, I think it, um, I know that if I was a female wrestling fan that this might upset me a little bit more, that it's glossed over. Uh, as a situation where this guy is a potential suspect. And it's just, it's not a good look for your company. This isn't kind of the headlines you want to be making as soon as you're trying to rebrand your company and you just had your, you know, your big pay-per-view and it, it actually got pretty decent reviews for once for, you know, it's been a long time since TNA had anything noteworthy. And you would hope that people are talking about, you know, uh, the fact that D'Angelo Williams had his first match and it was awesome. Probably one of the best first matches for anyone um, probably one of the best matches for just like an outside athlete uh, that's not a wrestler in general. And you would you would hope that that's the kind of thing you're getting media for, not the fact that your champion is involved in some sort of domestic dispute uh, in out, out in uh, Orlando. But it's it's a sad situation. I feel for both of them. I understand the pressures of having fans around you at all times. Probably not in the same extent they do, but I do understand that that would be 
you know, a lot of pressure on you, and there's always people listening and watching, and this thing could be blown out of proportion, but it's uh, it's a weird situation. Um, Paige noted that no one was arrested in this situation, but it, it seems kind of odd considering the, the Florida domestic abuse law. So I would be uh, I would be surprised if no one actually if if somehow they did get out of going to jail completely or not one of them or not both of them or however that shook out. Well, you know, I mean, whether or not things were um, there's probably a lot more to details. All I have to say about Alberto is that. He might be a good in-ring worker, and I think me and you can both agree on that. But as far as making fucking decisions, I think the man is not the brightest, um, especially all the fights he gets to, into on Twitter with his past company that his fucking wife works for currently or fiancé or whatever it is. The whole situation itself is kind of just, eh. I'm not saying that you can't date a younger girl and stuff like that, but it just sounds like she was hammered, really stressed out about her uncle, uh, apparently from what he said, I don't give a fuck about your piece of shit, uncle, stuff like that. That's how it escalated. I guess a guy stepped in. She told him to fuck off because I, I, I don't know exactly the full extent of it. Obviously, we weren't there, but there was multiple people saying that it was pretty dramatic and pretty ridiculous. Uh, and she called him out for being abusive. You know, who knows the whole entire uh, situation itself because we don't know what's happening in their spare time. What you know, if she's intoxicated and just talking to like get attention or whatever, that's still not good. That's 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 pretty toxic, and I just I kind of find it sad that you know they're having to both deal with the act. I, I feel bad for her. I really I really can't say that many good things about Alberto. I think it was, and and you said this too. I I think it was really stupid of Global Force to give him the championship belt over Lashley at Slammiversary. I think that was. Just not smart, based on his track record of, of how he's just even like I said, just just how he's interacted with his past company he worked for and just how unprofessional he's been. Um, I just I don't get it. Um, I don't really. I hope that they do find some stuff and it's enough to get him the fuck out of there, honestly. But uh, yeah, before I, I close like, up, like, well, like I said, if if anyone wants to read, Paige did post her version of the story on Twitter. So it is out there for everyone to read um, in black and white. Uh, if you, you know, hear but, the TMZ version, try to, try to catch it all from all angles. But, yeah, no. But I, I'm just saying, I, you, you, don't, you, don't, you don't think, Chris, that that's, that's her from her side after the matter, after everything's been blown out, you know. They're, basically, their, their toxic relationship hasn't caused her to just be like, it really wasn't that bad when, you know, multiple people have said the other about it it's more like she put it on herself um being the one that escalated the situation which either way i don't care i'm just letting people know the listeners that all the information's out there check it out and make your own determination i'm not going to lean one way or the other i just think it was dumb to put a title on a guy who yes he's probably the most over in your company but he hasn't ended on a good term with any company with outside of Mexico in forever, his first stint, uh, he yeah. smacked WWE employee for, from what he says, someone that said something racist. He was fired for that. He was brought back in, um, 
he got separated away from Paige. That became a big backstage story. There's tons of stuff out there. You can read about that in which that got very toxic as well. Um, he also, when he came back in, they were paying him a ridiculous amount of money. Uh, so there's, there's a ton of things about Del Rio from the standpoint of your company and something that you're trying to rebuild from the, the ship that hit the iceberg with Dixie Carter at the helm, uh, that he, he shouldn't have been your guy. Uh, even though he is a big no. star, I think I think you they would have been done it better off like pulling a WWE and hiring a one-off type character like a Johnny Mundo to do like one television date a month than something like this. Uh, but now they're gonna you know they they took a gamble. This could have worked out for them. Global Force is in a weird spot where they got to get people who are over, and he he's been over. I mean, he's always been over. That's one thing with him. He's still in the news right now. We're still actively talking about him. So he has a name. I don't know that he's a name I'd want my company associated with at the moment, but the, like I said, the thing that sucks for Global Force is because they're recorded television, they're going to have to push forward with this guy no matter what comes out in the coming weeks, and that was what Jeff Jarrett said today. They're not editing anything out, so... You're going to get this storyline with LAX going forward and uh, Conan and Alberto Del Rio kind of being the head of this thing. So we'll see where it goes. I think it's a, I think it's not the best look for a company that's already got fans on edge. He also, he also came out, and I think we're talking about the Hardys here in a second, but he also came out today and, and said some negative things about a situation that, everyone kind of even Meltzer thought was done and ready to go. And the, the gimmicks not released to the Hardys and Reggie Hardy saying that it's a lie. So right now, Jeff Jarrett's got his hands full and this is just like one situation he didn't need. And that I think the fans of impacts, the people, the diehards that have stuck around through the TNA, through the ups and downs and the bad, I just really feel for those guys. Cause I, you know, I dropped off a long time ago and it just sucks for that fan base because every time those guys take two steps, or step forward, they take two steps back. So, yeah, I, I find it weird for the fan base because I've realized it's kind of like in comparison, since we're obviously a part of this whole comic book movie thing. Um, TNA fans are very much like DC fans, and like let me let me uh, say, obviously, a lot of you guys know I'm a huge DC fan, a huge Marvel fan. When I say what what I mean by this is like DC fans are unabashed fans, when it comes to any of the movies, if they're good or not, they love them. And they will say whatever they will. And don't don't think it doesn't come back the other way. That's not what I'm trying to say. But they will say whatever they will against Marvel. I feel like there are, you know, even on our, our group, there are people that will take shots at WWE constantly, and they're diehard TNA fans. And sometimes I kind of find it a, a joke Honestly, that they put that much. Uh, I feel like basically it's sour grapes due to the fact that their thing is not as successful, or you know, even with DC, you know, with the Batman movies uh, back, uh, with the Nolan movies before Marvel started flourishing with Avengers and stuff like that. Um, they had they had a pretty good run, and so I, I feel like it's a lot of just jaded uh, fans. But who knows? Like I said. I have a lot of optimism for this whole entire thing now that Jeff Jarrett's taken over. I just think that, you know, we just talked about it. It's a setback after everything's been said and done. And now the next topic that we're about to talk to you, do the Hardys have rights to the broken characters yet? Well, if you ask Jeff Jarrett, he says no. Instead of just fucking getting over this whole entire concept, and especially since he inherited this problem, 
you know, instead of just getting over it, making a settlement, making a deal so we can just, like, stop with this just ridiculousness, apparently it's no. But then if you look at Matt's wife, who is another person that needs to get the fuck off of Twitter sometimes, even though I, I appreciate the fact that, you know, she's sticking up her man and the whole entire concept itself, but she's saying they're full of shit, and they are in the pro- process of uh, negotiations. So if that is true, though, Chris, you know, besides this whole entire thing of how do you feel about it, do, are the Hardys going to get this whole entire broken thing? You saw them uh, on Raw and how they were acting, you know, and not only that, I mean, what happened to them, uh, losing to the club and then their ass beaten by the Revival, is enough to kind of formulate what I thought was going to go in the direction of them becoming broken. And with what's being said, also, do you find that Matt's wife maybe should just tone it down a little bit if they are actually negotiations and uh, Jeff Jarrett's trying not to even bring any attention towards that uh, of a confirmation, possibly maybe not try to go after them? Like, I understand that it's tense, but what, what do you feel with this whole entire situation? Well, for one, I think the way that she sees it is that TNA is trying to take food out of her family's mouth. And anytime you get into a situation like that with any job, any line of work, if someone's trying to take something you created, something that you built, you know, you have a big, you have a reason to be pissed off about that. So the fact that she's still pissed off about this is not surprising. Um, Wrestling Observer came out during the conference call and they dropped a tweet that said Jarrett was asked to clearly uh, clarify his answer on the Hardys and confirm that there's no agreement for the Hardys to acquire the broken characters, which Rebbe said, I'm going to have to start clarifying things by recording phone calls. Apparently everything out of this loser's mouth is bullshit. And then she said, why though? And then she said, we had an agreement. Uh, we had agreement terms as of last week, including a non-disparagement clause to the tune of $5,000 every time I tweet something about TNA. And then she tweeted, at the real Jeff Jarrett, why are you lying? So if she's saying that anytime she mentions TNA, that she's gonna, their family is going to lose $5,000, this, uh, this has been talked about. Whether it's completely settled between lawyers or not, there is some sort of agreement that's in place. And also, I just don't buy the WWE even allowing him to say the word broken if they didn't think this thing was pretty much cinched up at this point um, on TV. So I think there's a little bit of uh, bullshit coming from Jeff Jarrett. And so why, not really in a bad you know? way. I think it's one of those things he just doesn't want to talk about on a conference call. I mean, he yeah. doesn't want to go, like, you know, he's got investors. There's people listening in on his pitch for Global Force. He's, uh, they said he's been spotted with Spike executives to, to try to line up new TV deals. He's got a lot of other shit going on um, that's not just the Hardys. And every time he talks about the Hardys, that's, they're not in his federation anymore. So it's, you know, it's just it's something that brings negative negativity to him. And if that's true, you know, if, if she owes them $5,000 each time, his company just made $15,000 off three tweets. So, <laughs> which I'm sure the heart is oh, night anyway. So it's not that big of a deal, but it's just, you know, it's just, that whole situation has become so toxic and it just, it never really needed to be. I understand why TNA wants to get some sort of payment back for that style of TV. And and I'm sure that in some sense they did help create some of it, but uh, I don't know that the Hardys and especially not Reggie Hardy sees it that way. 
I heard actually that Vince Russo was the one who created this uh, that concept. That he's the one, the brainchild for that. No, I'm just kidding. Do you think that this is all bad juju for for a victory road where Jeff Hardy came out wasted to fight his idol Sting? This is all just bad karma coming back to wipe his ass out from TNA. You know, hey, Jeff Hardy. Yeah, yeah. You know, his, his brother's got to deal with I mean, it. I, maybe, unfortunately, maybe. I mean, I hope not. I hope that's not the case. <laughs> no, I'm more or less so that karma's got to be passed, right? Yeah, I'm sure. I mean, how do you feel? Do you, I mean, how do you feel about it from a company standpoint? What would you do? I mean, do you want to continue down this road, making Hardy fans mad and potentially turning them away from your product, no. or do you just want to settle it and get it over with? Just settle it and get the fuck over with. You know, just do what you got to do. Uh, regardless if there's, you know, it, like I, like like you said, just figure out what you got to do for settlement, and then just let's let's both companies go on. Let's see the broken, you know, universe flourish in WWE, and let's see Jeff Jarrett. I think do a good job revitalizing a company. Uh, I like that. I think one thing that's smart is that it's now Global Force. It's a different brand. It can kind of restart it. We all know it kind of sucks with El Patron, but whatever. Uh, but it's also Impact is still the name of the program itself. So it's, I, I, he's got a lot of stuff that he's doing that I think is smart. And just keep on going down that direction and don't let things, uh, well, I don't know. Dick Carter's not in control anymore, so I, I, I think it will be fine to an extent. But anyways, let's get to the last topic, Chris. All right. Who the fuck is Kurt Angle talking to on the phone? Is this a mistress that he had, and they're going to bring in a lot of the rumors, the lady I just mentioned? Um, uh, is it, a, you know, a son or maybe a daughter even that he had back when he was in high school that he never told anyone about? Maybe he didn't know that they existed until this time period. Do you say I love you to that lover, or do you say I love you to that new child? What do you think... And who could you potentially see this being? Uh, obviously, we said Dixie Carter uh, for a woman. Uh, you brought up Vicky Guerrero. There's a lot of stuff with Stephanie, but I think that just gets really icky. Not that all of them don't, but just uh, this stupid, crappy, soap opera-level bullshit is getting me this intrigued to tune in next week. Is it doing the same thing with you, Chris, and what do you feel? It's definitely getting me intrigued. Uh, I think let's go with your theory first because your theory is way more fun than mine. So let's get, let's ride your theory out and then we'll uh, we'll we'll take mine on. Mine's a little how I think it's actually going to play out, but I, I like yours a lot better from a fantasy booking standpoint. <laughs> I'm usually better than their booking. I, I don't know what to say. Well, Chris. I mean. Yeah, I was gonna go ahead. And, I was gonna let you roll off first, but I can go. I can go. Oh, uh, okay. Well, let's see, we're doing that thing again. This is cute, where we kind of like cut each other off and keep on going and trying to like let the other person go. I'll just go since you gave it to me and you stopped. Um, if it is a kid, there are some contestants. I don't think it would be a bad idea to set up storyline that you could say is Kurt Angle's son. Some of them don't work out mathematically, or Kurt's going to be pretty damn young if you look up their real age. But my number one is actually Chad Gable. That's a rumor going around. Um, they went out of their way to show him off in a match against AJ Styles. He did a great job. 
He's obviously that type of Greco-Roman style wrestling uh, for his background. I don't know if he has any type of Olympic level or if he like competitive or competitive in college or anything like that. But uh, you know, great body. He even kind of looks like him too, which is creepy if you look at pictures of them with long hair. He's one. Two other are fantasies that are not going to happen. But if they were to get Matt Riddle or Jeff Cobb, and they're saying those are his, they're same age as Chad Gable, I think. I think they're they're all thirty, or not all thirty. Yeah, all thirty, or maybe thirty-one for one of them. I don't remember exactly. But Jeff Cobb, uh, to me, from a lot of the uh, indie stuff and PWG shit that I've seen him in, he's very much. I mean, he is Olympian. He actually represented Guam um, in the Olympics. Uh, he's an incredible wrestler, very much that Kurt Angle style, obviously. Uh, Matt Riddle, ex-MMA fighter, huge in the indies right now, very popular. Um, seeing him, a lot from him. You could definitely try to, like, make it go in that direction. Then there's also, um, I mean, Jason Jordan, if they wanted to. He's actually younger. He's, like, 26, I think, 27. Uh, there's another person. Or it could be a female. Shit, they could make Bailey his daughter. I mean, wouldn't that be crazy bullshit? I don't know. Um, if we were to go to siblings, who could you see, or how do you like that whole scenario playing out? If that were to be the case, I think. I mean, I think that's a cool scenario. It's just I continuously just bring it back to the fact that they want it to be Hunter versus Kurt, either soon or at WrestleMania, depending on how long they draw the story out. So I can't help but feel like Stephanie's involved somehow, and that they're playing off this angle that happened. 15 years ago where they kind of had a slight relationship, um, which is going to bring the King of Kings out. But it also makes sense with Dixie Carter. The kid thing gets weird with Kurt Angle because he has small children. Um, But if they were going to do it, I would say, you know, Jason Jordan or Chad Gable or the two people to go with, it would be weird with Jason Jordan. Like they would really have to do some kind of explaining there. Um, but Chad Gable, like, I definitely could see if they wanted to do something like that. The only thing that uh, is terrible about that is the, the brand split. So it's it's a weird situation. I think it's going to end up being some kind of affair on Kurt's wife. I do kind of feel like it, it could possibly be Dixie Carty, Carter, just the amount of TV time that they gave her with those 24-hour uh, 24 commercials. Like the 24-hour Kurt Angle commercials that they've been doing seem very strange because I don't think most of the WWE audience that's not diehard fans are going to know who she is. So it just kind of seemed weird and out of place. Like there's, those are spots where they could show, you know, Kurt Angle spraying people with milk or whatever the hell they wanted to do there instead. Um, So, yeah, I mean, I like the idea. I think it's really, I think it would be really interesting and kind of a neat storyline. It's just, how does that build to with Steph slash Triple H? match and Steph is coming back soon which means that she'll be above Kurt Angle somewhere to she where she was with Mick Foley so just kind of weird I, I, it'd be, I don't know I don't know what they're going to do but I am interested in it which to say that about a raw storyline is kind of strange these days but it, it has kept me compelled and I think that they've done a little better with their storyline writing I was we kind of mildly got invested in the uh, Enzo cast thing, even though I think, you know, you totally called it with it being cast. I, I, I thought it was a revival for sure. Um, but, yeah, I don't know, man. It, it's interesting, to say the least. It'd be cool if they went with, like, a, a Kurt Angle child story. And then it's like, when they do that, who is going to be the mother? Are they going to hire, like, some actress? Or are they going to try to tie it back into Steph or Dixie? 
I feel like next week you're going to get the mother, even if they go the child angle. I think that's what we're going to get is whoever he had the affair with. So I think that's going to come before, before if there is any like children involved or, you know, unknown children by Kurt's part. The thing is, if it ends up being like a storyline with Steph, any kid that he has would have to be, you know, 15 at this point or, or 14 because of when that first story angle took place. But we'll see. What if they use Stephanie? This is just an idea that actually I didn't come up with. I heard it on a podcast. But what if they were to use Stephanie as, since she's this domineering female, she's disgusted by Kurt for, you know, basically, I would assume cheating on his wife or, or something or by the whole entire situation. What if they try to play that type of angle and that's what connects her to, you know, uh, Triple H, possibly? They could definitely do something like that. Um, yeah, I mean, you could go that route. I, I could see that happening. Uh, Al, I mean, Chris, Alvarez did you watch? Meltzer, Alvarez and I'm Meltzer sorry, you keep on going. Podcast. Yeah, they just both felt it's it seems to be an affair angle. Um, I don't know. It'd be weird if they tied it into Bailey somehow, especially with that weird thing they did with Corey Graves two weeks ago. I'm I'm hoping it doesn't go that route, but I could totally see it, especially since Bailey got her first win in like two months on Monday Night Raw, but I guess, I guess we'll see. Whoever it is, Kurt loves them, so I would assume that it would be whoever he had the affair with and not necessarily the child, because in theory he wouldn't have known it was his child until, you know, a week or two ago, whenever the storyline first started, but I don't know. It's fun to talk about and think about, like little ball-headed Kurt Angles running around. <laughs> oh, my God, that's creepy. Little Lex Luthers, little thumbs running around, you know, with no neck. Just a limpy. Uh, Olympic to protecting their teddy bears. Well, so this goes back into, you know, we, we both brought up the Triple H, Kurt Angle scenario. Did you watch the uh, the 24 biography? I have not had a chance to watch that yet. It is on my list of things to do, but um, I watched, well, I, I was going to watch it today, but I ended up watching NXT instead before the podcast. <laughs> uh, last week's NXT. NXT. So it, yeah. It's the shiznit, man. That that match against uh, we should talk more about NXT because that match between Roddy and uh, and uh, what's his name, Bobby Roode, the champion, the damn good match. Um, it just I, I love that show. Uh, just obviously it's not as popular as Raw and SmackDown. But uh, getting back to Kurt Angle, the reason why I brought that up is that a lot of people I've realized from podcasts, and I don't know if I necessarily uh, thought this. It's like I guess people didn't know about. Uh, Kurt's battle and drug addiction, and just because the fact that I, you know, heard interviews with Jericho and Stone Cold specifically about that, and him opening up, you know, a lot of people are assessing that Kurt's done. Like, there's not going to be another match. I even had heard one guy that kind of pissed me off and said that people, after seeing this documentary, that want to see him still get in the ring and risk his body, uh, are selfish. And he compared it to Daniel Bryan, and I don't know what your name is, dickhead. Uh, you're on the podcast I listened to as a guest, and at, right at the beginning you talked about how people didn't seem to like you in the comments, and I was like, great. I hate it when they do that on a podcast. If the guy is not really, if the guy or girl is not loved by the audience, just don't have him back as much. That's that's all I have to say. So he just made that comment and kind of rubbed me the wrong way because I feel in that type of situation, especially with Kurt Angle, and if they want to do it, 
I don't think they should if there's any type of way that they can get hurt again. But if they want to, and it seems like even though, yeah, he he did take pills to get over the pains from, from wrestling, but he still loves wrestling. And if, 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 if it's up to him, more, you know, do you, do you think that's basically selfish fans wanting him to wrestle with a lot of his past problems or even like Daniel Bryan? Or do you think if they want to get in the ring, they should have that choice themselves? I think it's a situation where wrestling fans are completely jaded about the uh, about the damn thing because you could say the same thing about uh, you know Jeff Hardy and he's still out there wrestling. You could say the same thing about Sting and he came back and wrestled. You could say the same thing about Ric Flair and he came back and wrestled. Now while they had different addictions across different platforms and different ways, they still came back to the business. They still wrestled. Um, if Kurt feels like he can go and he's clean right now and he just wants to have a one-off match with Triple H, then I don't really see any harm in it. It's not like, you know, Triple H and Sting had a one-off match, and it was fine. I mean, there's ways to do that match. I don't think it's any different than someone having a match with, you know, 60-year-old Ric Flair and TNA. Um, I mean, at some point, it's like, it's your body, and if you're medically cleared, if the doctors feel like that you can work a match... Um, in the situation with Daniel Bryan, there's other things behind that that, that are kind of holding him back from having another match in the WWE, specifically that most of his injuries happened in the WWE. So if something really bad happened to him in a WWE ring, he could point to his past injuries and you could have a huge lawsuit there. And it could get really nasty, not that he would do that, but there's different reasoning behind Daniel Bryan versus like Kurt Angle. Yeah. Um, Kurt Engel's addiction to painkillers and stuff is not the only addiction he's had. He's also had like several DUI charges when he was in TNA and he still wrestled then and fans didn't seem to care. Um, it's one of those things where I think over like wrestling fans are, they're passionate, but at the same time, they, they're not looking at it from a human standpoint. If you think that Kurt Engel doesn't want like a million dollar WrestleMania payday to wrestle a safe match against triple H where he's not jumping off a cage. It's mostly just going to be rest holds and Olympic slams and pedigrees for, you know, kickouts, like finisher kickout type type match, maybe like a 12-minute match. If you don't think he can handle that, then, like, uh, I, don't, I don't know what to tell you because just a year or two ago, he was in TNA still doing crazy shit. So I, I don't think it's that far-fetched that he's going to have that match. In fact, like Meltzer said that it's pretty much confirmed that it's going to be Triple H and Kurt. So I'm sure that he's already passed some, has already passed prelim medical exams by WWE. Um, they're building towards that. I mean, I think that's where this storyline is building towards. Whether or not you want to see him in the ring again or not, I think it's going to be irrelevant. If he, if he wants to roll his ass out there and have a match and he can get medically cleared, he's going to do it. But well, then again, I didn't listen to this podcast. I mean, I, I didn't listen to podcasts. This guy could be trying to seek heat. I, I don't. Well, know no, the guy, I think so I, I think he was being genuine, but the the comment about the fans is just kind of dickish. But if you watch a documentary, it does make you just like you're very appreciative towards how much he's given to this industry and uh, how much he's putting his body on the line for wrestling, just in general, just being an Olympian and breaking his freaking neck and breaking it three more fucking times uh, throughout the course of his career. I mean, he's definitely got a lot of uh, problems on his body, and he's got a lot of kids and stuff. So I could see where the guy was coming from. It was just kind of like throwing that at the fans, like, 
oh, they're just selfish. It's like, well, no, if the competitor wants to compete, I don't think the documentary showed me that Kurt Angle does not want to wrestle ever again. I think it just kind of it was open-ended. They never addressed it. They kind of just uh, went with it. But I think you'll really enjoy it. Yeah, those 24 documentaries, I've realized, uh, a little bit better than the Beyond the Ring ones. Um, they just are a little more personal, and they don't seem like they're they're put together in a certain way or, you know, the guys are drilled with questions to get a certain reaction from them. It's kind of like just more them talking, and uh, I like it. Uh, the last one with Finn Balor was a lot of fun, too. Uh, but um, anyways, I, would, I, I mean, guess we can before, yeah, before we end out on that, what, what I would say is, is it that the fans actually want Kurt to have a match, or is it that Kurt wants to have a match? Because in the Daniel Bryan situation, yeah. which was the comparison you said he made, it's not like the fans clamored after Daniel Bryan retired for him to have another match. It was more that Daniel Bryan specifically said that he wanted to have another match. Yeah, he like pulled a stone cold and tried TV. to figure out another way to work, basically, in the ring so he wouldn't have to worry about his thing, I guess, as much. I mean, anything could happen concussion-wise, but... I mean, if you ask any fan whose favorite wrestler is no longer wrestling, if they want to see that guy go one more time, they're always going to say yes. It doesn't mean that they don't give a shit about his health, that they're terrible people. It just means that they really care about that guy, and they really enjoyed watching him wrestle. And if they could get one more match out of it, they absolutely love it. So to look at it from that standpoint, it's like you're calling wrestling fans mouth breathers, and I don't fucking like that or appreciate it. I think it's more that fans really care about the person and they cared yeah. about his career and it meant something to them. And it doesn't necessarily mean that like they want this guy to go into the ring and die for their entertainment. And if that's how you look at it, then you probably shouldn't be a wrestling fan in general because you just have a shitty out of attitude. I agree. Clap, clap, clap. Fuck yeah, Chris. And I mean, seriously, if you're to tell me that back you know, however many years back when they were kind of doing that promotion for uh, one of the video games with Stone Cold and CM Punk possibly in the ring together. You don't want to fucking see that? Shawn Michaels and AJ Styles. If Shawn won, great last match for Shawn. But if you wanted to come out of retirement to go against AJ Styles for one more match at WrestleMania, you wouldn't want to fucking see that? Would you be worried about their health? Obviously. They're older and shit like that. But if they think they're okay to do that, I mean, they know their bodies better than anyone. And a lot of those guys, they don't have – Kurt Angle, Stone Cold, Shawn Michaels, they have nothing to lose. They had amazing careers. They, they, they're, they're fine. They've competed against the best, and they can be fine with it. So if they think they can do it, I don't think that they're doing it for because they're inebriated or, or some stupid bullshit like that. Look at Bret Hart. I mean, even though his matches weren't that big or anything like that, he came out of retirement after a fucking stroke. Yeah, he was wearing a hockey jersey and shorts the whole, a jorts the whole entire fucking time. But still, I mean, it's 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 their bodies, their risk. Ric Flair wrestled through fucking three generations for Christ's sakes. So, I yeah, that that rubbed me the wrong way. Obviously, once I kind of explained the detail, it did you too. I, I I just hate know-it-all fans, and I guess I'm one of them too. But I like myself, and I don't like that guy. So you can fuck off. Let's recap. Great balls of fire. Which is how I think that Vince said it in his fucking head when he made this goddamn thing. You know, it's, someone was talking about this. I love how WWE spends so much time on branding. You know, uh, the ultimate thrill ride is WrestleMania, and 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 uh, Seth Rollins is uh, I forgot what the hell they call him. Um, you know, every everything's branded, but this 
was a good idea that went through the main guys. Great Balls of Fire as a fucking name. They did well with the advertising, putting the whole 50s vibe at the at the drive-in theater. So I'll give it to them on that. But this is uh, the old one was I think Bad Blood is the one they replaced with Great Balls of Fire. And judging by the amount of matches, this is the most blood I've seen in matches, especially uh, due to natural energy with no blading or anything like that, in a very long time. I think every match someone got split the fuck open. So let's go from the top, and we'll talk about it. All right, so it started off with a pre-show match. Neville defeated Akira Tozawa. Uh, this took place, like I said, on the pre-show. Neville uh, crotched Tozawa on the top rope, then kicked the rope to deliver a second low blow. Uh, I was having trouble standing up, so Neville kicked him in the stomach and pinned him for the win. Ugh, man, dude, like I keep on saying, like, Akira Tozawa, he's another guy, man. Uh, I, I probably want to stay, I wouldn't say for, like, a heavyweight title, probably, like, more like a mid-card, but he's he gets the audience into him even on 205 Live, if you watch it. You know, he, he really gets the audience into the whole entire thing when they're tired. He did even to me when I went for SmackDown, and I saw 205 after that. So um, I'm going to be honest with you guys. The only reason I stayed, too, I really like 205 Live, but I was so tired. It's because they were giving us a free Randy Orton versus uh, Jinder Mahal match afterwards, after the cameras went off. So that's how they do it most of the time. And I feel bad for the Cruiserweight division, but we already talked on length about that. But – just the match was good until it gets to the ending. I, I, I feel this whole entire night, all the endings rubbed me the fucking wrong way, which I think the last pay-per-view did the same thing. They're good wrestling in the matches and just a shitty way to end it. Um, I mean, I, I don't have a problem with, with Neville being a heel, but then he... All right, so you're going to tell me that two crotch shots, basically, and a kick in the stomach takes you out of the game completely? You couldn't even, like, roll him into the uh, rings of Saturn? Like, that would have been a hell of a lot better way to end it. Uh, he could still be, you know, like a dick and do that whole thing where he, he racked him and then he kicked the rope and then roll him into, like I said, your move and then get him to tap out. Maybe they're trying to make Tozawa stronger, but that made him look like a bitch either way. How'd you feel about the pre-show match between Neville and Akira Tozawa, Chris? I honestly thought it was the best work match of the entire night as far as like a match from top to bottom and in-ring work goes. Uh, the finish, I thought the finish was fine. Um I, I kind of agree with you about the stomach kick in, into the pin. Uh, I wish it would have been – I wish he had some sort of ground finisher that wasn't the rings of Saturn, like maybe a uh, – I don't know, like a some some sort of move, kind of like the AA or, or just like an actual grapple throw move or a, a DDT, some variant of a DDT or something else that he would start to utilize because the reason that they didn't do the ring of Saturn spot is because they don't want Tozawa to tap to him um, because that would make Tozawa look a little weak. So I, I get why they didn't do that. And they just did the pin. I think you could have just crotched him and then uh, maybe had Titus O'Neil was at ringside. I believe you could have had Titus get on the apron and then have him crotch him again. And then just sun like, you know, schoolboy him for the pin. As opposed, but other than that, yeah. I thought the match was pretty damn good, like from top to bottom. They could have done something a little weird with the finish. At first, I thought Tazawa was hurt, or maybe that they thought he was hurt, and that's why that was the finish. So maybe that was the case. You know, you never know when you're inside of the ring like that. Uh, he, he could have thought that uh, Tazawa was actually hurt, and that's why that was the finish. So, but other than that, I thought the I thought that was the best match of the night. I, I don't think it was the match that was the best spectacle. 
which we'll talk about later, but I thought it was, as far as ring work goes and, and what they accomplished in the ring and quality of match, I thought it was the best match of the night. I agree with you. And, and the thing is, that's my thing is, the matches themselves, I think we're good. It's just like, like to, to me, we'll keep on going. Um, Bray Wyatt defeated Seth Rollins. Uh, Wyatt thumbed Rollins to the eyes and hit Sister Abigail to win the match. Uh, match wasn't bad. Um, I'm hoping that this is done since The Miz came after Seth Rollins. But then, again, I don't know if they're going to do Dean Ambrose versus Seth Rollins versus The Miz. I'm so sick of Dean Ambrose and the fucking Miz. We'll get down to that in a little while. Uh, but whatever. I mean, I'm glad Bray got a fucking pin. Uh, twice, actually. You know, if just in case we don't go into Raw. But Seth Rollins on the opening match for the pay-per-view, thumbed in the eye. And they used that also. I, I noticed that makeup, it looked like when he was doing his interview, they definitely made his eye look a little bit worse uh, than it actually is. Uh, how did you feel about this match? I thought it was one of the worst Seth Rollins pay-per-view matches I've seen in a long time. I, I didn't yeah. think it was that great match. Um, I don't know. They just they felt off sync. Like, those two just don't do well in the ring together. They don't um, mesh well at all. They they don't to me. Like I, I don't know. I think everyone has that kind of competitor. Like you know, Sting and Lex Luger was always awful. But like, it's not because Sting couldn't work with a big guy. Like Sting and Vader were great together. So it's like you know, some people just have weird. I don't know. They, sometimes they just don't mesh, and I think this might be one of those two. So I really hope we don't see another match between them. But I think we will. Um, I was fine with the ending. I'm kind of liking that Bray. Bray seemed to be taking some advice from uh, Stone Cold and and uh, Jake the Snake Roberts with doing some more of these dirty ass heel tactics, like raking the back and dragging the arm across the face and poking people in the eye. I kind of like that. I like this like more brutal, vicious Bray. But I mean, for a 12 minute match, I guess it was okay. It just felt like a raw match and not really a pay per view match. And um, Seth didn't even really get all his big spots in, which kind of felt a little weird. Not to, not that you know, I need to see every one of Seth's spots, but it's, it almost seems like it's not a, uh, not a uh, full pay per view if you don't see like Seth hit his like five signature spots in one match because that's usually his comeback, um, leading up to when he would have gotten poked in the eye. But the, the match just felt off to me. I don't know. Maybe, maybe not to you or yeah. I don't know. Wade had it at like two. I'm looking at the PW Torch, and he had it at like two and a half stars, and I had it like probably. I thought it was one of the out of the big matches that I thought were going to be good. I had this one rated pretty damn low. So the next one wasn't is that my match of the night. Well, let's get to your, let's get to your next one. Um, man, all right, you're right. Finally, these guys made me care about them, and too bad it's too late. Uh, Big Cass, it seems like he's getting better with my skills, but I don't really know if he's better or if he's just screaming and he thinks that's how you sound intense because he doesn't know how to sound angry or intimidating without yelling. Uh, But I will say this about Enzo Amore, and Chris is probably going to think I'm crazy for saying this. If Enzo Amore... Had just if he just had the in-ring ability of say someone like a Ty Dillinger, the dude would be huge. Based on his his 
speaking abilities, charisma. If he was a decent athlete, more so than he is, a good worker in the ring, someone just decent, he could be fucking like the next Dusty Rhodes. That's not going to happen. And I don't know what the fuck's going to happen to Enzo Amore because he was so endearing with everything, his acting, you know, him being able to tear up. Maybe that was real just based on the fact that two best friends because of a storyline are getting split up and he probably sees his career going to shit. Um, I, man, I, the manager <laughs> thing would would make sense, the most sense for him. Uh, maybe start off with Big Show uh, for this whole entire thing. But it just sucks that he isn't a good wrestler because he's a damn good talker. And, you know, you want to root for the guy. And Big Cass, he just came out and beat the shit out of him. Uh, you, you could tell, like, even even he was, like, holding back to an extent because, I mean, it's kind of sucked to be to do that to your buddy. It's like, all right, you're going up, he's going down, shit's going to happen. He's going to end up probably uh, being a guy that interviews people on, on 205 Live. Uh, I hope to, I hope Enzo doesn't end up with that. But Cat Squash Enzo, girl pressing him inside the ring to the floor and hitting the big boot back in the ring for the win. You said it was the worst match. Let me know what you think, Chris. Well, I mean, it was just the worst match because it was a it was a TV squash match. It wasn't. I mean, this wasn't a match. Like they they're not going to give Enzo Amore any any fucking offense in this match because they're not building him. They're building Cass. So from that standpoint, I thought it was uh, a bit rough, you know. And and I, I and you know I'm not a big fan of Enzo, and we've talked about it on the show before, but you know it. He's always a guy that I. If you wanted to do heel cast, you should have just had Enzo be his fucking manager, and you could have turned him heel during that whole Lana situation. Like, there's so many different ways they could have went with Enzo and Cass and kept them together. Because I don't know, like Cass was fine on Raw as new heel cast, uh, kind of running down Enzo and, and running down the division. And I thought it was an okay promo, and I was like, okay, maybe they do have something with this guy. Um, but I think just having Enzo be his mouthpiece and having it be heel cast in the beginning would have worked a, a fuckload better, but we'll see. Maybe I could be wrong. Maybe he's going to be the next big thing. I just, every time I look at him and I hear him talk, he's like slightly better, but he's basically just test. Like I, I he's feel like Jersey boy test. Yeah. Like I feel like that's how his career is going to turn out. Um, hopefully without the death situation, but well, uh, big yeah. show sees something in him because if you saw when Big Show was on Austin, he said the same thing about Braun Strowman, about wanting to, he wants to work specifically with certain big guys because he thinks he sees a lot of potential on them. Uh, big Cass, he could go the route of a test. He could go the route of a Kevin Nash. You know, you never know. They do have a huge calling, the two of them. So people are going to like them, even if they're not the greatest. I, I've realized it's annoying, um, but that's just the case. That's, that's how it is with wrestling fans. People are yeah, zoning I mean, in like me and you more on the athleticism, some of them more on the spectacle. What are you going to say? Yeah, and Cass is definitely getting heat. Like, that's how over him and yeah. People didn't want to see that team get broke up. So when they broke up, like, he's getting heel heat. Like, people were legit pissed at him at Raw following this when he cut that promo. So, I mean, from that standpoint, it worked. It's just like if it's just him, you know, beating Big Show – where is he going to go from there? And then, you know, what does it do for Enzo? Like, Enzo, I mean, honestly, he wouldn't be a bad guy to have as a backstage interviewer in comparison to, like, a Charlie or a Dasha. Like, I think it gives you a or different Josh Matthews. Character. 
It's not, and, it, and I mean, it wouldn't be bad to have him on commentary somewhere, like maybe where, um, say, Booker T is now, if Booker T wanted to step down, because I think he's more entertaining. Honestly. Yeah, because Booker T um, is the John Madden of professional wrestling when it comes to just stating the fucking obvious over and over again, uh, not being as, as, as much of a legend on commentating. I love Booker T, but, you know, He's a good wrestler because he wrestles real good. You know, I don't, I don't. I mean, if Enzo like set and studied Bobby the Brain Heenan, and even if he didn't go the manager route, which I, you know, WWE just hates managers in general for the most part. Even if he didn't want to go that route, if he just became like a Bobby the Brain Heenan type commentator, like that could be really fucking entertaining. And I think that would give him something unique that no one's going to do. Other than that, I mean, you could put him in the cruiserweight division, but it's just like, he's got to work with guys that are way better in the ring than he is at that point. Cause all those guys, would that, are all the people. Would that partner. be good for him though, Chris? Do you think that if, if Enzo were to go to two Oh five live, be one of the biggest guys, you know, uh, baby face that's over with, with his, uh, with his mic skills, but maybe working with guys that good could adapt him to becoming a better wrestler. Basically last question on this, does Enzo more, have anything wrestling-wise in WWE after this, or do you think that he has to settle for, you know, like we said, announcing or, or something different than that? I mean, he if he still wants to pursue wrestling, there's always going to be a spot for him because he's good on the mic. They can always give him someone to feud with, even if it's someone like Goldust. You know, it's just like how far he wants to be on the card. Would you rather be like the guy that everyone's hearing every week on commentary, or do you want to be like a mid-low card wrestler? And, you know, yeah. the, the weird thing about Enzo is, like, you don't ever get to see any Enzo offense because Enzo is literally just going to get thrown over the ropes by someone every time he's in the ring. Yep. Like, I can't remember, like, him getting any offense since, like, they wrestled uh, uh, Anderson and, and Gallows. And that's been months ago at this point. So. All right, so what you do is you have a whole program where Enzo's – getting taught by Spike Dudley like he's his coach and, and Enzo's Rocky to fight Cass and they do this at never mind don't worry about any of that idea that was a horrible fucking idea alright next match uh, 30 minute Iron Man match for the Raw Tag Team Championship uh, Sheamus and Cesaro defeated the Hardy Boys uh, so we'll go through the scores uh, Sheamus scored the first fall only 19 seconds into the match with a bro kick on Matt Hardy. They had a cool part where Cesaro looked like he was about to pop out and uh, threw off Matt Hardy, turned around, bro kick, one right off the bat. Um, and then about 10 minutes in, Jeff Hardy was pinned uh, by a tandem white noise to make the match two falls to zero. Jeff was able to come back and hit Cesaro with a twist of fate to make it 2-1. Cesaro ran Matt Hardy into a ring post outside the ring, causing Hardy to get counted out up in the gap to 3-1. to one. With seven minutes remaining on the clock, the Hardys used the tandem roll-up to pin Cesaro. A few minutes later, Matt Hardy tried, tied up in with a uh, twist of fate off the ropes to Sheamus. It looked like he really hurt Sheamus from that. I don't think that fell right at all. I'm calling botch for that. Jeff hit a swan tine on Sheamus with only 30 seconds left. Uh, but Cesaro cradled Jeff and pinned him to steal the fall. Jeff hit the twist of faith on Cesaro with 
a second left, but wasn't able to complete the pin before the time ran out. Sheamus and Zara win four to three and retain the Raw Tag Team Championship. Shortly after that Dosh spot where Sheamus just didn't look, he was like, like he was the same after that. I, I think he fell wrong. Uh, it just seemed like it, it didn't, something didn't happen right. But after that, there was a part where it looked like Matt was trying to go for, oh, yeah, it was when they were doing that, um, the double jump off each turnbuckle, and Matt was trying to go for one side, and Sheamus brought his leg up. I don't know why, but Matt hit it hard enough to need seven staples to the top of his eyebrow after the match, bleeding all over the fucking place. So you have Sheamus that got fucked up, and he's, like, all fucked up, and, I mean, all of them were messed up. Uh, how, how did you like the match? I thought, for the most part, Chris, that it was... I've seen better, obviously, Iron Man matches. It's hard to do that. Uh, it's hard to go 30 minutes, especially an hour. So it was all right. Um, I like the ending. Uh, this is one of the only ones where I like the ending more than the match itself. Everything else is the exact opposite. Uh, how did you feel about it? You know, I liked, I liked most of the entering work. There were the two spots you mentioned where, um, where you know, Matt Hardy obviously hit Shaman's knee and, and cracked his head open. And then... Um, the the botched twist to fate. But other than that, I thought the rest of the match was pretty good. The, the first ten minutes, like right after that first ten, where they were just beating on Jeff Hardy to get heat, I think that went a little long. Um, other than that, you know, the rest of the match once it once it sped up, once they kind of put the gas on, I thought it was a pretty good match. This is the first Iron Man tag match I can remember throughout the history of wrestling. So I'm gonna give I think them. You're right. uh, like I, I kind of put this. I could be completely wrong. Maybe this has happened in Ring of Honor or something with the Briscoes. But as far as I can remember, this is the first tag Iron Man match I've ever seen. So I, the the rules to me weren't really like the countout thing seemed a little weird um, for one of the falls because you just never see a countout in a tag match unless it's the other team leaving, like the Usos did at the last pay per view. So that, that felt a little weird, but other outside of that, those few small little nitpicking things, this was a really damn good match, and um, it's building towards something with the Hardys, because uh, on Raw, which I, we may get to or may not get to, they, you had a segment where, once again, Jeff wasn't able to make the save with, you know, one second left, or, you know, like, so it's, you have this constant finish of there being, like, one second, so, like, Jeff yeah. didn't get the finish time to break it up. And then the night before, you know, there was one second left and the ref didn't get to finish counting the time it already expired. So I think it's it's building to, you know, Matt Hardy and Jeff Hardy obviously being broken. Um, which is interesting. If they can do that every week and get it right, which puts a lot of work on the referee, by the way, <laughs> especially because they can't do time limit draws and stuff. But <laughs> if they can do that each uh, each big match they have and, kind of do it right it's very interesting I mean, it's kind of a cool concept and um i could i can hear matt cutting a promo at like a grandfather clock in his broken matt hardy state <laughs> as seconds tick by <laughs> which could be you know yeah pretty awesome. i hope it happens soon man i definitely want to see it um yeah you're right though i mean the match I just I, I like the way that they did the ending with the one second. I I completely didn't even realize that that's been a a thing that they've done now uh, several times until you said that. It's funny, but uh, yeah, good match. Um, let's go to the next one: Raw Women's Championship match. Sasha Banks defeated Alexa Bliss. Uh, but Banks won by countout, uh, meaning Bliss is still a champion. Uh, 
after the match, Banks attacked Bliss, shoved her off the announce table, and hit a double knee strike from the table to the floor, busting her fucking nose and making um, Alexa just look like a mess. I want to say that I did not know that Alexa Bliss was double-jointed. Apparently she's already tried this thing. I really thought for real that accident happened, she broke her arm in the middle of the match, and that was all real. And, I mean, the last time that happened for me was Sid Vicious jumping off the top rope. I don't know why he was up there. He doesn't even know. And breaking his uh, ankle, or, no, actually it was like his whole leg right in the middle. Uh, But... I thought this was actually Alexa Bliss's best wrestling match I've seen her in, period. I hated the ending. The fucking Usos just did this. I, I get it's, it's creating heel heat. Why didn't Alexa Bliss, or why didn't Sasha Banks go outside and grab Alexa Bliss and take her back inside? She let 10 seconds go by, and I just feel like you, you could do a heel ending that's not so lazy like that. Uh, do you agree with me, Chris? I do. I, I hate the I hate the the count out. I hate count outs. If you intentionally get yourself disqualified, the ref should switch the title. Like it, it like it's. They talked about it on uh, Melter's podcast like earlier this week, where they were like, you know, if you walk out of the ring in the UFC and, and refuse to defend your title, even if you're getting your ass whipped, you still lose your title. You don't. You know, it's kind of like forfeiting when you walk away. Now, if you get legitimately counted out or it's a double count out or it's a time limit draw, it makes sense. I mean, they never do this shit in new Japan. Like you wouldn't see Kenny Omega just walk out of a match. Like it's not going to fucking happen because it doesn't make any sense. It's just lazy booking. Um, But if they're going to continue to do this, they need to, they need to have like someone like an AJ Styles or an over the top face, literally beat the shit out of the referee when he does this, when he makes this call and then says that this person wins the match, like have them snap. Maybe like Braun Strowman would be a great, great guy to do it with since he's like <laughs> a, uh, basically a baby. Can they give him a re- point? And he's a madman. But like, if you want to, like, if you want this big, like catastrophe type ending, don't just have like the beat down afterwards. Like have him flip out on the official. Like the official is the one who screwed you. Like, the official doesn't have, like, the count's not a steady 10 count. It's, you know, it's a 10 count at their leisure. Like, Randy Rhodes, or not Randy Rhodes, Randy Orton's outside the ring for fucking 10 minutes at a time a lot of times. So, um, in a championship match, it's just kind of dumb to have that that stipulation in general. And it's lazy because, they, like you said, they just did this for the Usos. And this is going to be their new way of building feuds when they don't want to do an actual finish, which I hate. Like, if they wanted to do a DQ finish, they could have just had Bliss, like, you know, pull out some brass knuckles and punch Sasha in the face. Like, there's so many other ways Old to do school. a DQ Yeah, just, you know, there's other ways to do a DQ finish besides, like, eh, screw this, I'm just going to sit out here. Because it just makes both people look stupid. Like, the person oh, not going after them and the person who's just sitting there, it's kind of like, okay, well, that person's a quitter, and this person's too dumb to, like, stop the referee's count or go out there and get him. Like, Stone Cold would Maybe this is going to get addressed. Yeah, he would have. Maybe this would be addressed, <laughs> and maybe they correct it, saying, like, officially now you can't do this or something. Maybe this is all leading to something. It's probably not. It's probably just all lazy booking. Um, how did you feel about that fucking stunt afterwards? Because I have to say... I don't like the double knees. I think it's dangerous shit for Sasha, and it's also dangerous shit for the person she's jumping on, especially when you're jumping off an announce table that far onto someone, 
of course she's not going to be able to connect right. And if she busted fucking Alexa's face open, uh, like, do you think that was a smart spot? Because I didn't. She could have put her through the table. That's all she had to do. She could just put her through the freaking table. They set those things up like it's nothing. I've seen him do it like in two seconds during a commercial break. What was the point? Well, tell that tell tell that to Randy Orton because every time he jumps on one of those motherfucking tables, they don't break. So, um, I think they steer away from the tables with the Divas, to be honest, because of the Charlotte Flair uh, Sasha held the cell match because they almost hurt themselves trying to go through tables. So I, I yeah. agree that would have been better. But like the double knee thing, she needs to take that out of her repertoire in general. She's gonna end up tearing something because. You're asking a lot of little five-foot Alexa Bliss to catch you in midair and make sure that that move goes off without a hitch. Like, I, it's just, it's different when Charlotte's catching you than when, like, the little ball of fury Alexa Bliss is catching you. Like, you, if you're going to do yeah, that spot, be smart with it. Save it for, like, Nia Jax or somebody or someone that you, that's big enough to actually catch you from that height because she's coming off the off the freaking table down, right? So a good 10 feet. Yeah, I, I didn't think it was a smart thing to do at all. Uh, I don't know. All right, we're gonna, before we get to the Intercontinental match, remember, if you guys want to join us for the conversation, call 929-477-3781. You'll be on hold. Press 1 to join the convo and ask a question, and don't be a dick. Those are my rules. All right, so keep on going down. Intercontinental Championship match. I'm so sick of this fucking feud. I, I, these guys have great chemistry. Don't get me wrong, but feud of the year goes to Neville and Austin Aries or Braun Strowman um, and Roman Reigns. If we're not counting everything else, and obviously Okada Omega, Dean Ambrose and The Miz aren't anywhere fucking near this. Everyone's sick of seeing these guys going back and forth. They, they literally jumped programs and did the same exact shit. All right, well, the new Miz Taraj, which at least they're giving Bo Dallas and, uh, and Curtis Axel something to do. And I like that the Miz address the fact that they're third-generation wrestlers, for Christ's sakes. Um, I would rather Miz form his own fant- or Fantastic Four, <laughs> his own four horsemen. Uh, I would keep Curtis Axel in there and maybe get the Revival as his, like, tag team guys, and everyone has tries to go for a title. I would love to see Bo Dallas work with his brother. Uh, I, I don't know what the fuck he's going for his look-wise, because he looks like a, uh, I don't know, a hipster pirate. Like, what the fuck is the outfit Bo Dallas is wearing? But I like the fact they're doing something with them, and they're putting him with the Miz. Of course, there's a lot of distraction, and uh, Miz hit the skull-crushing finale to retain his championship. I don't care about this match. It was all right. It was one of Dean's, I think, worst matches recently, and I think he's been picking it up a lot lately. I'm sick of what they're doing to his fucking character. They're turning him into the crazy uncle. Um, like we said, he's great as a heel. When he's a heel, he's like evil Cactus Jack, or heel Cactus Jack and heel Roddy Roddy Piper, kind of both like little qualities about both of them. Let him do that, please, because this is getting just repetitive. Uh, How did you feel about this match, Chris? I actually pretty much agree with everything you said. It was just a... I think the Miz worked better when it was just Maurice. Creative ways for Maurice to screw people over. Because you... I I don't know. I just... Him having a whole entourage, you would think that the ref would be able to see three people at ringside. And they're already kind of doing a similar thing with 
uh, the Maharaj on SmackDown. So, you know, like, he's got his own, like, two-man crew that's helping him hold the title. It's, I don't know. I, I'm just not digging it. I'm, I guess I'm okay with it being Curtis Axel and Bo Dallas because at least they have something to do. But in theory, those would be the guys underneath Ambrose going for the Intercontinental title because, like, where's that title picture at? Like, that's something for them to do. Like, have five to ten minute matches for Oh, they're putting that shit on Seth. <laughs> so, I don't know. It's, it's just, I don't know, it's annoying. Um, so, you know, it's okay. They're getting a rub from The Miz, so that's good. The Miz, like, can kind of help get anyone over. I feel kind of bad. Dean should – Dean needs to get away from The Miz because they don't have great matches together. And he's he's good on the mic, but I don't know. It always ends up – like, I always end up feeling bad for The Miz, which isn't how I'm supposed to feel. No. Because Dean always <laughs> comes off like a heel. Like, he's always doing heel shit to The Miz. Like, before The Miz Taraj showed up and gave him, like, that little bit of, like, extra, like, I'm a real shitty person. Like, when it was just The Miz and Maurice, like, I just always ended up feeling bad for Miz, which is not how it's supposed to go. Because he fucked up his marriage. Yeah. So, like, now you're just, like, now I'm still watching, you know, I'm watching, I've been watching this for, you know, two months straight. So, my thought of this is, like, well, Dean's been being an asshole this entire time, so who cares if Miz cheats? to win like you know like he beat him up as a cameraman and made Miz break his clock (laughs) (laughs) I got it for you cause you're timeless (laughs) so I just end up did you like the Mizzies I did like the Mizzies I did like the Mizzies I mean, I like him um, a lot. I just think, like, I, Dean should be up there with the rest of those dudes. Like, he'd be the perfect, like, if he turned him heel, he'd be the perfect opponent for Finn Balor. Oh, yeah. To give him someone fresh yeah, yeah, to work with. Like, crazy, you know, we got crazy Dean Ambrose who just, like, maybe, like, he sees, like, footage of the demon backstage and all of a sudden he's, like, freaked out by fucking Finn and goes crazy. <laughs> <laughs> like it has that match, or Finn versus, or or Dean versus Bray. I think that's more compelling than you know Bray versus Seth Rollins. But what do I know? Shit. Well, apparently we don't know anything. Um, uh, I don't know. I'm just like I said. I'm just so sick of this. And I agree with you. Don't do a three man. Either him and Maurice, or maybe him a part of a faction. Because it's something that the Miz hasn't done, and they kind of if, if if the Miz were to have his own evolution or Four Horsemen, where it was like him with three suitable dudes, not two guys are going to have his back during a match like you said, kind of like the uh, the, the brothers for the Maharaja. Um, it's just it's just dumb, and I don't know. Like I said, well for, keep for them going. to do that, they actually got to. I mean, they actually got to push Miz to the heavyweight class, or he's going after point. the big guy. If they're going to do that, I mean, if they're going, if they want to go like a Ric Flair route where he actually has a crew, he needs to be. I mean, he definitely needs to be the guy, and there's no reason why he can't be there. Because you could if they don't do that with him, I hope they do that with Bobby Roode when he comes to Maine. Yeah, but I think I think the debate's going to be like, well, Bobby Roode doesn't need it, and maybe they think the Miz does because Miz had like you know he's had title runs before that didn't go over so well. Though I did think his title run 
against John Cena was fine leading up to that WrestleMania until they blew put the rock in it. And then I still thought the Miz was the better of those three in that feud. I mean, he came out to hate me now by Nas, which was pretty fucking awesome at WrestleMania. So Miz continued. I got to go back and watch that. That is pretty fucking awesome. Yeah. I like, I like the Miz. I think he's great. And I think that he's like a Jericho uh, when it comes to, well, maybe not Jericho's level, but he, he's done great work with the Intercontinental title. I think he's kept it relevant. Uh, you know, he's the one they keep on putting it back on. But, yeah, if he was going for the main title, you know, even if as he is, him and Kevin Owens are the two best heels in the company. That's what I think. Neville would probably be third. Uh, maybe I'm forgetting someone important. I don't know. Let's keep on going to the, the most ridiculous match of the fucking night. Uh, that had a match within a match while craziness was insane. Ambulance match. Braun Strowman defeated Roman Reigns. Uh, Roman, this was a just a brawl. Uh, these guys beat the living fuck out of each other, and it was great. Uh, one of my favorite spots is where Braun stumbles and misses Roman and goes through the LED light uh, display. That was pretty awesome. I love how I knew exactly that Roman was going to go for a spear, though, uh, and that's how he's going to get out. I don't think that was uh, very hard to figure out at all. Um, but the match didn't matter compared to what happened after the match. Uh, so, yeah, so Roman um, went for a spear uh, at Strowman, who was right in front of the ambulance. Strowman sidestepped and sent Roman flying into the ambulance, and he went in there pretty deep. It looked like he just went all the way to the back. Winning the match, Roman recovered instantly uh, and then speared Strowman. Roman then put Strowman in the back of the ambulance, drove it, to the garage area and backed it at high speeds into a tractor trailer. Kurt Angle and agents tried to free Strowman from the back uh, of the wreck and called the ambulance. Uh, and, and during this time period, they, they tried to put like an impromptu matchup. Heath Slater defeated Kurt Hawkins. Did you think Kurt Hawkins was going to win? Uh, this happened to kill time while the fire department showed up and tried to save Strowman. They eventually got into the ambulance and tried to take Braun away. And he refused help, staggered away, saying, leave me alone. They made sure to make him all bloody, um, especially the elbow that he's having the injury, which I thought was very smart. The finish of the match wasn't shown. I just love Roman leaving the car after doing that. And Kurt Angle, it pained Kurt Angle with his face like, what the fuck did you just do? And Roman's like, I'm out of here. Fuck this. And just uh, (laughs) Joey Styles just coming and trying to be like a superhero, trying to get in there. Uh, there's no way someone would survive that. There's no way that he wouldn't be like a goo pile of blood and fucking organs and bones and shit at that point from that type of impact. But who cares? It was fucking fun. It reminded me of the Attitude Era. I thought it was a fun match. I love the two of these guys uh, wrestling with each other. I think they have great chemistry. I really do. Braun's come a long way. And I've always thought that Roman was a pretty damn good uh, in-ring worker. He's just repetitive with his moveset. That doesn't really apply to his skill level, but, you know, he needs to add some stuff in there. But this was good. Uh, how'd you like the match, Chris? Um, you know, I thought it was pretty good overall. I, I, I like the build to the match. I thought the ending was kind of dumb with just Roman flying into the ambulance, but they followed up on it with the uh, with the beatdown and the crazy, crazy ambulance spot. And I thought... God, it's like 
the finish made Roman off as such a fucking heel. And they continue to do this and continue to tease it, but it's like if you're not gonna if he's not gonna be a heel the next night on Raw, just sell it as well. Did you guys remember like what Braun did to Roman like a few months ago? And then like show, you know, the initial ambulance spot and why Roman would do what he did to Braun. Because otherwise he just looks like a complete asshole. Just kind of how he came off, especially when he was like, well, okay, I'm out. <laughs> While they're like, Jaws of lifing Braun out of the back of the ambulance. <laughs> so, I don't know. It just, some of some of it rubbed me a little bit wrong, but it was mostly the, the follow-up with Roman's character and the fact that they didn't like even go, well, you know, originally... Braun flipped over an ambulance with Roman inside, so it's kind of like, you know, Braun's getting his comeuppance, but they didn't even go that route. They just, like, were like, no, Roman Reigns killed him. <laughs> so, I don't know. Or, or it's like a, but Braun lumbered Braun away like a giant. Yeah, I mean, Braun won the match, but he's not in the number one contender match next week. So, there's that, which is weird. Oh, let me ask you about that. Do you think this is just going to inevitably end up being a four-way monster match at SummerSlam between Samoa Joe, Braun Strowman, Roman Reigns, Brock Lesnar, maybe elimination match if they want to do it? I feel like it's it's leading to that because it's either going to be a four-way or three-way, and if you do Samoa Joe, Roman, and, and Brock, what the hell's the point of not keeping Braun in unless he's going to, I guess, be okay by then and then attack someone at the end of it? How do you think they're going about that? I'm thinking they're going to do a three-way match with Braun being off TV next week and then Braun showing up at the pay-per-view and destroying Roman either before the match or during the match because technically a three-way match doesn't have any rules in WWE because there's no DQ on any multi-man match thing that they randomly made up like two years ago. So I feel like, you know, I mean, it could be the Braun Did Booker T tell you that? No, it's just how they book. They book. So, I mean, it could be something like that. Um, I don't know. I, I don't think they're going to put Braun back on TV for a little bit. I think they want it to be a surprise, like, when he shows back up. And I think the main reason is they're trying to save – I think they want to go Braun and Lesnar at some point. I don't know that they're going to do it right away, but I think they want that – when it does happen, I think they want that to be something special and not necessarily just throw it into a four-way match. Um, because if they can't re-sign, if, if Lesnar's done, then they're going to need a monster, and Braun is, like, your best choice for that, if you know what I mean. So I think they're saving it as long as possible. So I'm thinking three weeks. i got to admit, I, I kind of want to see Braun go against Big Cass if it's just a raw match. I would like to see them have a something together. Yeah, I don't think we'll see that, though, because they're trying to build Cass up, and you can't have him beat Braun. So, but no, yeah. Braun would have to go over. Yeah. All right, our last match of the night. Excuse me. Let me drink some water real quick. Universal Championship match. Brock Lesnar defeated Samoa Joe. Uh, Joe took the fight to Lesnar, but the champ was able to counter uh, the Coquina clutch into the F5 to score the victory and retain his title. 
I liked everything except for the fucking ending. I'm going to be one of those people that you could have had an F5 and then him kick out. Lots of people have kicked out from the F5. I mean, look at the way they treated Goldberg with him, which I thought was a fucking joke. Um, it could have gone on a little bit longer, just just like one more, and then maybe if you don't want to keep on going with like a counter from Smojo, maybe since he taps out, you get Smojo up again, gives him one suplex, and does it, you know, gives him the F5 again. Just something, maybe, or shit, what if Brock tapped him out with his submission move? I mean, I don't know. That, that, that ending really rubbed me the wrong way. I was nervous when we got to the end of the fucking ambulance match when all the, uh, they got Braun out of there, um, that we had such I'm like, God, this is going to be a squash match. Better fucking not be. And it wasn't. I, I love some mojo attacking Brock beforehand. I thought these guys were enjoying beating the crap out of each other. I, I'm pretty sure I saw Brock smiling at certain points, and they seemed to have good chemistry, and I just wish that it had a better ending. Like I said, you can have the same exact outcome with a little bit of tweaking at the end so it doesn't look so weak on Samoa Joe, who's putting this big of a, uh, you know, a stance against the champion. So how, how did you feel about that, about the main event, Chris? I, th- I thought the match itself was great, and I thought they both did um... – both did an amazing job, and I also thought uh, Corey Graves was great on commentary in this match. I think he, I thought yes. he really did a job of selling Joe as a legitimate threat to Lesnar. Um, the rest of the guys that kind of just did, you know, Booker did whatever Booker does, and Michael just did, you know, call like straight wrestling calls. But Graves did a really good job of selling. Like I think at one point he's like, I can't remember the last time Lesnar was in this much trouble in a match. Which, I mean, it doesn't make sense because he, he lost in like 10 seconds to Goldberg or whatever. But <laughs> to be fair, it at least put Joe over. So <laughs> I liked some of, the, uh, some of the commentary by Graves. I thought that was good. And then the, um, the only thing about the finish, I agree, they could have did a kick out. Um, if I was the agent that booked the spot, I would have had Joe choke Lesnar out with Lesnar holding on to the ropes and then did a DQ finish. Um, because one, Brock Lesnar would have still won and he didn't lose anything because he was holding the ropes and you had Joe choke him out. But then when you go back to Monday Night Raw, Joe's like, yeah, you may, you may have, you may have won the match, but I still choked your ass out. And then you have more of a reason for Paul to be so scared for, you know, Brock versus Joe again, because Brock barely got to the ropes or something. I feel like there was a bigger way you could build that, but you know, they built a match. They didn't, I don't think they built the match with the thought that Joe was going to get as over with the fans as he has um, with this program. I think they built this as filler for, you know, Reigns and Brock. And now I think they're seriously looking at it like going, hey, we need to do a three-way because Joe, Samoa Joe's red hot right now. And his promos are good. And the fans are getting behind him. And they're chanting, Joe's going to kill you. And, like, I think he's going to be a way bigger deal than they expected him to be. Um which is good because they need someone like that right now that can kind of move the needle and change things and just do it through being a wrestler, not because they're getting pushed. And, and they've done a good job of, of protecting Joe, but, I, you know, I, I was fine with the match overall. I, I think that you could have done the DQ finish like I was talking about, and it probably would have came off a little better for Samoa Joe, but he didn't lose anything, you know, in this match really uh, with the beat down big to begin with. And then he came back and cut an awesome promo and, and Paul sold it as being like, I don't want you to fight Lesnar again. 
So that that all worked out on Raw, I thought. But we'll see where it leads. Hopefully, it's a three way match. I hope they're not done with uh, with Joe and Lesnar yet. And Samoa Joe really needs to win against Roman Reigns, whether it's through disqualification with Braun or through disqualification with Brock, where he comes out and beats down both of them. They don't need to put Roman over Samoa Joe right now because I think Samoa Joe is one of the best things they have going in the company, probably outside of yeah. uh, AJ Styles. Oh, weird. Uh, the two guys at the beginning that worked with TNA and Ring of Honor and spent all this time are actually going to be two of your top dogs once they finally make it into your industry. No one saw that coming. All right, so we're going to play a game, Chris. Um, just kind of go through Ron SmackDown at a little bit faster pace since we have 15 minutes left and counting. Remember, like I said, if you guys want to join us out there, uh, call in 1994773781 and press 1, and you'll join the conversation. So I'm going to go over like a highlight from each of the uh, segments, and uh, either you can address them after I'm done presenting them, or you can kind of like stop me if you want to talk about one in particular. Um, Kind of talked about a lot of it with our conversations, though. So, uh, Big Cass dressed the WWE Universe. He cut a promo. Uh, he basically said that no one could stand up to his level. I watched the Big Show. Big Show headbutts him. They brawl. Uh, Cass ran away, basically, throughout the whole thing. Uh, then Finn Balor defeated Elias Sampson. Uh, he won a competitive match with the Coupe de Gras. After the match, Matt and Jeff Hardy came out to congratulate Balor for the victory and say that they were going to the ring. Uh, the Hardy boys start um, talking on their end, uh, basically cutting a promo. They let a lot of – they used the word broken. They started saying certain words involved with that whole entire thing. Enter Gallows and Anderson, which the Gallows and Anderson were awesome because they were acting like their characters, basically. Uh, I love Carl Anderson doing that <laughs> – like, in between stuff. It reminds me of Tim and Eric. Like, it's just, just that style of, of humor. So I like seeing them come out. I like seeing them getting a, getting a win over the Hardys. That was actually nice to push them up a little bit. Afterwards, the Revival comes out, walks past Gallows and Anderson, which I would love to see those two two tag teams go against each other. Um, Revival goes and beats the shit out of Matt and Jeff Hardy after they're already down, and that was it. Uh, then we talked about the uh, Miz. The Mizzy's uh, award ceremony, uh, Best Supporting Actor, went to Bo Dallas and Curtis Axel. Uh, the Most Beautiful Woman, Maurice played this so charming and great. Uh, gorgeous, sexy lady uh, went to Maurice. And the final Mizzy for Grace Man WWE was to The Miz. Dean Ambrose comes out. Um, the Miz then... Wait. the hell? Uh, Dean Ambrose... Uh, following a Dean Ambrose fakeout, basically Seth Rollins um, comes out to help out Dean Ambrose, and also the fact that Miz said something about him that rubbed him the wrong way, came to come out and uh, I think basically start a program between the two of them. That's what the ending of this whole entire thing kind of showed forth to. I don't know. Uh, so, so based on that one, the Mizzies, Gals and Anderson with the Hardy Boys, and uh, the open with big casts, even or Finn Balor. What they're not doing with Finn Balor, I, 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 I feel like they have him sidelined. They just don't know what to do with him. They're trying to implant him somewhere in there. I do feel like he's going to go against Brock at some point, but I don't know if he'll have a title by then or what the hell. What do you feel about these uh, four things, Chris? I feel like you're going to have the Hardys versus the Revival based on that beatdown, and then you're going to have the Broken Hardys and 
because the Hardys have been so close to Finn through this with social media and the way they've been portraying them with Finn, you're going to have broken Matt wanting to go against the demon, um, which makes sense. So I think that might be where they're going with that. Uh, that would be I could awesome. be wrong, but that's my guess on where they're going because they continuously keep putting those those three together for some reason. Um, as far as the Mizzies, I thought the Mizzies was pretty fun TV segment. Uh, the are the Shield going to get back together or not? Kind of shit. I, I could care less about like a, it, without yep. Roman Reigns, you're not the Shield. You're just two dudes. Um, <laughs> Roman Reigns is definitely going for the title, and he doesn't have time for the Shield. So <laughs> that whole storyline, I could care less if, about. If you're going to get I, Shield back together, people. everyone needs to be heels. I don't want this babyface bullshit anymore for any any of them. Any of them. Sorry. Yeah. And um, let's see. You asked me about one more. I'm trying to remember what it was. Oh, uh, Big Cass and Enzo. Big Cass is a thing in Big Show. At the beginning of the uh, card. Yeah, well, I thought the promo for Big Cass was good, which I talked about during that, that cast match, but it was uh, – he got worked by the show. I mean, he got worked by Big Show. He got out-wrestled, like, legitimately, like – Head-butted. Amateur <laughs> wrestled and thrown out of the ring, and then he kind of ran away. So I guess they're building towards a match, but – he, like, put Cass over a, so strong that Big Show just come out and whoop his ass, so I don't understand. So two questions, actually. Uh, is Basically, is... is um, man, now I, now I screwed up and I can't remember. Oh, no, no. Is uh, Enzo going to represent Big Show, you think, within this whole entire thing? Maybe. You could go there. You go that route, or you could do a couple matches and then make Enzo a special guest referee or something. Especially if you if you end up if you want to put him back with Cass, if this whole Cass promo experiment doesn't work, you could have him turn on the Big Show as the special guest referee and be like, "Ha ha," kind of thing. So maybe maybe that. But I just say kicks. I just say kicks to the face because I like it, Jersey. <laughs> um, I maybe they can do that. I I would have no problem because I'd be like, all right, cool. Now they know what they're doing with this whole situation. Um, also the Finn Balor thing. I like what you're saying. I've said this before in the past. If I could, if I could have had it the way I want it, and apparently Bray and Finn Balor are supposed to be in the works at some point too. Bray would have beaten Finn Balor as a demon, and then the Eater of Worlds would take control of the demon as part of his basically his group to do his bidding. And then he, they would, at one point, feud with the Broken Hardys. I would like, either way, if we could have the Demon Finn Balor against either Broken Matt Hardy or Brother Nero, that would be a lot of fun. And they, even if they just have this a Raw match where Bray Wyatt's feuding with Matt Hardy and Finn Balor as a Demon's feuding with uh, Brother Nero, uh, shit, or Willow West, I don't know, fucking do whatever. Uh, I think that would be a lot of fun visually and also matching styles to see. Um, so we'll see what happens. Uh, let's let's keep on going though, because this is uh, nowhere near done. All right, all this stuff is small, so we're not going to even talk about it really. So Ambrose told Rollins basically stay out of his way. There's no shield reunion. I don't trust you like Roman does. Fuck off. 
Uh, Sasha Banks and Bailey defeated Alexa Bliss and Nia Jax. Bailey rolled Bliss up for the surprise victory. I was very happy to see Bailey get one over on Bliss. I think that was smart on them, but still, you've already kind of buried her, so whatever. Goldust delivered another promo from his uh, backstage chair, uh, promising to create the Shattered Truth Part 2, and then defeated R-Truth after commercial break. Goldust scored the pinfall victory after connecting the final cut. Um, I like that what they're doing with Goldust. I feel bad for R-Truth. R-Truth is actually pretty over. It might be just his theme music, but people still cheer for him, so... I, I feel like Goldust is just going to, like, knock our truth out of the way and then maybe have a feud with someone, I don't know, potential in the future. That's another person you could put against my broken Matt Hardy. You, you want all the crazies to fight each other just like you want all the monsters to fight each other. But this is the biggest thing. This whole court Kurt Angle storyline, um, we already talked about, but it's just, it, what the hell is going on with this whole entire thing? He meets back with Corey Graves, uh, and then we had... Um, after that, Akira Tozawa and Cedric Alexander defeated Neville and Noam Dar, and Akira pinned Neville uh, clean to get the win. Uh, first time that Neville's been pinned in a very long time. Um, what else do we got? Bray Wyatt defeats Seth Rollins again for the second time after a long match, and a better match, actually, than the pay-per-view one. Uh, basically, he got the sister Abigail for the win, Trying to, like, figure out, uh... Yeah, so that's it. So, that was Raw. Oh, yeah, so, yeah, Wyatt left. The Miz, Bo Dallas, Kurt Axel came down and started attacking Rollins. Dean Ambrose came out. We don't know if it was to help his friend or just get back at his enemies. Uh, any of those last things before I try to squash SmackDown in two minutes? Chris, do you have anything to comment on? Not really, man. Uh, it was... It was a it was a better show than SmackDown. I'll give it that. But uh, the, yeah, the, the main event itself kind of left something to be wanted. I think. I agree with but, you. I I think it was the opening with uh you know offering that U.S. title match between AJ Styles and John Cena, which I'm happy that that will be somewhere in the future. Uh, seeing the two of that, those guys, I I think John's gonna put AJ over. Uh, I don't think that that title's going anywhere. I think they're trying to give AJ... Honestly, like I said, I think the U.S. title is the second biggest title in the company, uh, based off on the second match, uh, where Jinder Mahal just destroyed Ty Dillinger. I feel bad for Ty Dillinger, but I've never been the biggest fan of him. The whole 10 thing doesn't really bother me that much. Then we had Xavier Woods defeating Jey Uso. Pretty cool concept where the referee kicked everyone out and let the two of them go against it. Uh, picked up the, uh, Woods picked up the pinfall by hitting the springboard elbow on Uso, who was draped on the second rope. Um, there was supposed to be a match between Baron Corbin and Shinsuke, but Nakamura jumped Corbin. The two men brawled into the crowd until they were separated by officials. Afterwards, Nakamura challenged Corbin to get in the ring, but Corbin opted to leave. Uh, yeah, Here's a question um, on that one while we've got a few seconds. Uh, because the yeah, last, I got the three other things you're talking about. The only real thing to talk about is the tag match and the setup for the Shinsuke thing, in my opinion. And the Shinsuke thing, are they going to put Corbin over? Like, I feel like they kind of have to, but it's going to hurt not yeah, more. I, so want... I, don't know, I don't know what they're going to do there because Corbin needs to be booked as kind of a monster heel, even though he has the briefcase. It's 
he's not a chicken shit heel. He needs to be winning consistently. So I don't, I don't know. I don't know what they're doing with that. I think that was a bad. I think that was bad from a booking standpoint to put those two against each other so soon. Instead of going what with someone like Zane Nakamura. What if Corbin's never supposed to really have it? Maybe this is what they're setting up. Maybe eventually Shinsuke is going to get Baron Corbin to put the, the uh, whatchamacallit, on the line. Uh, the money in the bank on the line, and somehow Baron does it and then loses to Shinsuke, and he's actually supposed to be the guy who's supposed to inevitably get it. Uh, I don't think they booked it that far in advance or have even the uh, creativity to be able to do that, but I'm just saying. Uh, I think they want the title. I think they want the title on Corbin as the next heel after Jinder. So we'll we'll see. Could be. I could be wrong. Shit, I still think Randy's gonna fucking take it from Jinder. But yeah, I have no idea. I, I mean, I really have no idea. I'm just kind of like throwing things out there and seeing if they stick against the wall. All right. So yeah, um, I mean, we got all the women. Jinder's got a gimmick match. I mean, he's in a he's in a gimmick match against. Three people basically, so it's going to be hard. He's going to be hard pressed to get out of there alive. Yep, I agree. All right, well, two more matches. Uh, so the whole women's thing's happening, and basically, they, Shane was mauled by every woman asking what's going on. So he made a five way match, which I think he did last time, which is weird because I don't see what they're going to do with um, the champion, um, Naomi, right now for the next couple weeks leading up to it. So that's interesting. Um, Shot was I like how she was pissed off that Lana's even being put in the, the equation, and they had a match. Natalia and Tamina Snuka defeated Charlotte and Becky. Um, it's interesting. Uh, I don't. I, they don't have enough fucking room for the women's division. They just don't. They should just have all the women in one division on both shows. I don't know. I have no idea. Um, last thing, and I'll let you, you know, talk. Uh, your answers right afterwards, but uh, John Cena and AJ Styles defeated Kevin Owens and Rusev. Styles hit the Pele kick on Owens, and then Cena delivered the attitude adjustment and pinned Owens. Uh, after the match, Cena and Styles had a stare down before Cena raised Styles' hand, then the two posed for the crowd. Uh, thought it was a lot of fun, that whole entire match. Uh, they're all they're all great workers in the ring. Um, so what do, you, what do you feel about the women's division, what they're going to be doing forward, Chris? And then how did you like the uh, the last match? I honestly thought Owen should have walked out on Rusev at some point instead of actually taking the pin loss because he just lost the title. And they have one more one more match going in or one more segment going into the pay-per-view. So I kind of hated the finish, but I thought it was a fun match. And I'm sure everybody in the crowd loved seeing Styles and, loved and AJ Cooper. So I, from that standpoint, I hated it because I think it was kind of dumb booking because you've already taken a lot of heat off Kevin, and then he's the one that took the the, the loss. So that sucks. Um, but it was a fun fun match. And then also uh, from the women's standpoint, um, man, they made a huge mistake moving Charlotte to SmackDown. That they just don't know what they're doing with her. So yep, uh, that makes me sad. All right, well, say goodbye to everyone, buddy. We're actually running very close to the end. All right, everybody. Y'all have a good week. We'll see you next week. Absolutely. Thank you guys so much for taking the time to listen to us. And I'm going to have some wonderful tunes uh, signing out this wonderful show. Enjoyed it. You guys have a good one.
Peace out, everyone!